Well, I'm no scientist, so I don't know if global warming is actually real, but I'm preaching in a t-shirt in February, so I'm here for it. I don't know if you guys, but man, this is good. Minnesota, hey, you just never know. Negative 40 to, to 40. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning, and you know, we say this every week, but we're truly, gl- truly glad that you guys came, because I know how hard it can be right, to come to church when you know, maybe you work overnights on weekends, or maybe you've got young kids. It's difficult sometimes to get to church. And so I want to say, good job. You did something good this weekend. You could have had today to sleep in, but you came to be with Jesus and with people. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. So we're glad to have you here. Hey, speaking of those with kids, you know, I got a kid myself. Most of you know my little baby girl, her name is Israel. We call her Izzy and she's just so cute. And one of the golden rules of preaching is that you're not supposed to brag about yourself, not supposed to brag about your family and make yourselves look all good. But I'm going to do that for a few minutes because uh, I don't right now because my daughter is so amazing. She's so funny. She's so cute. And I'm going to show you a video here in a second. But she's not even two. And I've heard her count to 20. Okay. By herself. By herself. She does the alphabet. She's amazing. She's an amazing girl. And I love it because she's so good at the things I was never good at. And still I'm not good at like math and memorizing. But she gets it. She's just, she's got this memory. Like, got to show it to her mama. Her video. Now, a little disclaimer. The vi- brain, which is great. Uh, but she's just so impressive. Now, I'm going to show you guys a video. Now, a little disclaimer. The video was vertical on Tuesday when I put it in. And I was, like, trying it all week. All of a sudden, the computer flipped it sideways. And it won't go back. So, if you want to watch it like this, feel free. Um, but the main thing is the sound. So, the main thing is the sound. But So, it's just a little bit awkward. But it's all right. All right, let's watch. Let's watch together. Do you count them? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eighteen. You have eleven fingers. How many fingers do you have? One. One, two, three. Four, five, eight, seven, eight, nine, eight, seven. What's after 11? <laughs> now, I'm, gonna, like, I'm bragging up here, right? My daughter can count, but let's humble myself, right? She thinks she has 11 fingers on one hand, so take it for what it's worth. But, but I'm so impressed. I love, I love to talk about my daughter because she's just so cute and she's so smart. She's so funny. It's just, just adorable. But... It's easy, right? If you're a parent, it's easy to brag about your kids, isn't it? Like, you know the dumb stuff they do too, but it's so easy to brag about your kids and how special they are and how good of grades they get and the great athletes that they are. If you're an adult and you don't have kids, like, you know how easy it is to brag about like your job or like where you're at in life or how you're debt-free. And, and I'm not ragging on you either. Like, these are good things to kind of brag about. It's okay to, to feel a little bit of, you know, a little bit of pride in that, right? Not sinful pride, but it's good to feel a little bit of pride in that. But the question I want to ask is a very simple question this morning as we start off our talk. And it's, how how often do you brag about Jesus? How often are you telling people about what God has done in your life? Because every time my daughter counts, and it's so cute, every time she does the alphabet, I remember the first time she walked. You know, she was walking, she was like stumbling, but she did it. And I sent like six people a text. I was like, guys, she did it, right? It's so easy to tell people about the things that we're proud of, about the exciting moments that we have in our lives. Like when we get engaged, you know, we tell the world. But the question I want to ask is, is 
are we telling people about what God has done in our lives? And what I, when I, what I mean by that this morning is, I don't mean that you guys become an evangelist and go down the street corner and be like, have you heard about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about that, right? And some people have that gift. Some people do have that gift. And that's an amazing thing. I do not have that gift, right? Give me a microphone and put me on a stage. I'll be fine. But put me one-on-one with the person on the street. Absolutely not, right? Not my gift. But what I mean by this is telling people about what God has done in your life. As you look back on your life, maybe the last year, six years, 10 years, whatever it is, you have God moments. You have moments where God has shown up in your life, whether he's done amazing miracles that you can't even understand and fathom and he's just blown you away or whether there's been moments in your life where it's like, man, I was feeling anxious and then God gave me peace. I was going through a relationship struggle and and God gave me some answers, right? Big or small, God is working. And so are you willing to share that with people? Are you willing to tell the world? Because the main thing that happens when we tell the world about what Jesus has done in our lives, what God is doing in our lives, there's a few different things that happen. Number one, it is so encouraging. It is so encouraging to, to hear and to see what God has done in the lives of our people here at New Hope. You know, I love when we do baptisms because we don't just get you up on stage and dunk you underwater. We make it tell you testimony. We want to hear what God's done in your life. And everybody, almost everybody, you know, everybody hates public speaking. Fun fact, the number one fear ahead of death in life is public speaking, right? So people are like, oh my gosh, I just share my testimony. I'm talking for people. Are you kidding me? And we say yes. And so they get up and, and most people do great. Some people are so scared. You can see the mic shaking. They're like, my name is Alex. And I'm not, even faking, I'm not making fun of you because I was there, right? I was there. But we get so nervous. But here's what I tell everybody who shares their testimony. Is that your testimony is not about you. Your testimony is about what God has done in your life. And somebody here today needs to hear what God has done in your life. For the sake of the encouragement. Because there's somebody today who feels far from God. There's somebody today who's struggling in their faith. There's somebody today who's so discouraged, but when they hear the power of God in your life, the Spirit lifts them up. It is so encouraging when we share our stories. The second reason why we got to share our stories is it glorifies our Father in heaven. Like I just said, your testimony is not about you. What's happened in your life, what God has done in your life, it's not about you. Sure, it happened to you, but it's not about you. It is about what God can do, and it's about what God has done in your life. He is the powerful one. He is the gracious one. He is the merciful one. It's about his mercy, his goodness, and his grace. And the third thing that it does when we share our stories, when we share what God has done, is it makes the demons shudder. You are doing spiritual warfare when you share your testimony. You are fighting Satan and his demons when you tell of what God has done in your life. And here's how we know. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he said, even the demons believe in God and they shudder. They fear. They cower. Because they know the power of God. And when you speak in God's name, When you lift up what God has done and you praise God, the demons weaken. 
Your flesh weakens and more of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit fills your life and the people around you. You are doing spiritual warfare when you share what God has done in your life. And so when I ask you the question, how often are you doing that? We need to recognize the power behind it. We need to recognize what we're actually doing, that we are changing things by the power of God when we share our stories. And so this morning, we're going to finish uh, Peter's prison break in the book of Acts. And if you haven't been with us last couple of weeks, I'll just give you a one minute quick recap. So Peter's been in prison. He was arrested by the Roman government because he was preaching about Jesus, telling people about Jesus. The Roman government hated that because they treated their kings as God. And so if you're telling somebody else that somebody else is God, they don't like that. Not only does the Roman government hate Peter, the Jewish people hate Peter. They don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. So every time, Jesus, every time Peter says Jesus is the Messiah, they get mad, they get frustrated, they want him killed. And so King Herod arrested Peter and he's been in prison for a week and he knows what his fate is. He's not going to trial. There's no jury. His fate is death. And we know this because James, who was another Christian, he was beheaded just a couple of weeks before Peter was. And all of a sudden, as the church is praying for Peter, An angel comes into the prison cell with Peter, breaks his chains. They both get up and they walk out of the prison cell free. So it's an amazing, amazing miracle. And as soon as Peter gets out of the the prison, steps outside, the angel leaves. And now he's on the streets of Rome as a free man. And that's where we're going to pick up our story this morning. And so here's how Peter responds. It says, when this had dawned on him, now what had dawned on him was everything that just happened, the miracle of God. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it. And she exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when the door opened and and they saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. Then he left for another place. Now, when it says tell James, different James, right? I just told you I'd been beheaded. When I read this, I was like, huh? Peter must have gotten the news, but different James. So when we read that, somebody else. But what just happened is Peter gets out of prison and he walks to the prayer meeting. He knows where they're praying. He gets there. He knocks on the door. And this servant girl, Rhoda, comes and answers the door. And she is so excited when she hears the voice of Peter, when she sees his face, that instead of going and opening up the door and inviting him in for safety, She's so excited, she runs back into the house to tell everybody that Peter is here. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, the heck, right? (laughs) Let me in. There's probably going to be people chasing me pretty soon here. But she's so excited, she runs back in, and here's what happens. She tells everybody in the house, everybody that had been praying, she tells them, Peter is here. And they don't believe her. In fact, she kept on insisting, the verse says, she kept on insisting that it was him, but they kept on saying back to her, no, it must be his angel. And I read the story, and I read their reactions, and I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding me, right? They have been praying around the clock for a week straight that God would do something. 
and God does something and they don't believe it. Now we laugh because it's funny. But how much faith do we have in God? Sometimes I think we're praying way above what our faith level actually is. Sometimes we're praying for things. We're praying for healing. We're relationships to get restored. We're praying for this. We're praying for that. And in our hearts, as we're speaking it, we're saying it. But in our hearts, we're thinking, yeah, right, it's not going to happen. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but that's how I feel sometimes. Because <laughs> we have such little faith. It's so hard to believe that God can do things that are out of our power to do. It's hard to believe that God can work in the supernatural to change things that we don't even understand how they can be changed. You know, some of us are in relationships and we have relationship issues that we're struggling with and and we look at those and we think, this is never going to get healed. This is never going to get fixed. But I want you to know that you have no idea what God can do. And some of us have been walking in addictions for a long time. And whatever your addiction is, I know what it feels like to be in an addiction. Your mind is telling you that you will never get out of it. There are so many discouraging days because not only your mind is telling you you're not going to get out of it, but your heart is downtrodden. Because all you can feel is the weight of the sin and you feel like you're never going to be free. But if that's you today, you need to know that you have no idea what God can do. God is powerful. And there are so many people today, and this bothers me so much, there's so many televangelists and people writing books today that are just telling you, well, if you just have enough faith, God will heal you. If you just have enough faith, if you just have a little bit more faith, God's going to do something. But what did we just read in the story? These people had such little faith. They were praying for the right thing, but they didn't believe it in their heart. They didn't have the faith to break Peter out of prison. But God's miracles and God's power and God's working in your life is not dependent on the amount of faith that you have. All he calls you to do is have faith. He knows you're going to struggle. He knows it's going to be difficult. He knows that you're looking at the future and you're thinking nothing is going to change. But what he asks us to do and what he calls us to do is to keep the faith because we have no idea what he can do. We have no idea what his power can do in our lives. He is calling us to faith. And even in our weak faith, even in our little faith, God can do great things. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He said, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, if I showed you a mustard seed up on stage right now, you would not be able to see it. A few of you in the front row would. That's how small it is. But if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, move from here to there and it would move because nothing would be impossible because it's not your power. It's God's power and he will do what he pleases. Even in our lack of faith, even in our little faith, we see it time and time again in the Bible. Jesus refers to people. He says, you have little faith. He'll perform a great miracle and say, you have little faith. It is not dependent on the amount of faith that we have. It's dependent on who our God is. God is powerful. 
and he is working and he is calling us to tell those stories. And as I read this story, you know, we keep going and it says, Peter, as everybody's arguing, it says, Peter is still knocking. Peter's still knocking at the door. And I love this because I can just imagine what Peter's feeling, right? Like he's freaking out because people are probably going to be chasing him pretty quick. Now, for P- in Peter's case, right, if I'm in prison, if I'm in St. Cloud and I'm in prison, the first thing I'm doing is I'm getting on Highway 10 and I am booking it, right? I'm getting out of town. I'm heading for Iowa, heading for Mexico. I'm not in town, right? But what does Peter do? The very first thing he does is he goes to this prayer meeting and he's knocking on the door because he knows the power of a testimony. He knows that the church that has such little faith needs to know what God can do. He knows the power of what God has done. And I love this because as Peter's knocking, as Peter's knocking, right? He's so, I can imagine that he's just so excited, right? Because he's like, get me out of this place. I need to get in somewhere safe. But as, as I read this story, I, I like to be like kind of a fly on the wall in the story. So I, not only to hear the words, what's happening, but I love to put myself in the story. And every story in the Bible, because I believe that there's so much depth. There's so much value in understanding the tension to a situation. Understanding the circumstances of what's happening. There's so much more depth to the Bible and truth of the Bible than what we even read. Because there's so much tension happening in the context of the story. And as I hear Peter knocking, not only do we think that he's like running from the guards and he's, like, he's running so he doesn't get killed. But I think nobody knocks like Peter. Nobody knocks with such ferocity as Peter because he's excited. He knows what God has just done in his life because who is Peter? Who is Peter? What has he done? He has failed so many times in the Bible. Peter is known as one of the three closest friends of Jesus in the Bible. Yet what we kind of know him as in the Bible is somebody who has failed time and time and time again. As I was studying for the sermon, I, I Googled Peter's failures I said, how, I said something like, you know, I Googled like, how many times did Peter fail in the Bible? Something like that. And the first thing I clicked on showed up with a list of 15 failures that Peter had that were recorded in the Bible. And the three that I already had in my mind weren't even on that list. Okay? So Peter is a failure. He's a sinner. He doesn't trust God all the time. He walks far from God in a lot of his life. Now, time and time again, right, as, as the disciples, they're in the, and Peter's like, hey, Lord, if it's you, call me out. And so Jesus says, come, and Peter gets out, and he's walking on the water. As soon as he looks down at the water, as soon as he looks at the wind and the waves, he starts to get scared. He sinks because he takes his eyes off Jesus. There's one of his failures. As Jesus is walking off to the cross, there's a huge mob of people crowding around him. They're mocking him. They're throwing things at him. They're, they're, they're yelling at him. They're saying terrible things to him. And then they turn around and they see Peter in the crowd and they think, there's one of his disciples. They start telling him, there's one of his disciples. And what does Peter do? He backs up. He denies Jesus three different times in about the span of 30 seconds. He's saying, I don't know this man. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. There's another one of Peter's failures. As Jesus is getting arrested before he goes to the cross, he's in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And the soldiers come up and they handcuff Jesus. They're about to take him away. What does Peter do? He takes out his sword. He chops off one of the soldier's ears. 
Jesus says, Peter, what are you doing? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Another one of Peter's failures. But I bring up Peter's failures because who's the main person in this story that we just saw a miracle from? It's Peter. I mean, how many times are we just like Peter? How many times do we fail God? How many times do we fall back into sin? How many times are we in situations where we know that God just wants us to have a strong faith and rely on him and keep depending on him? And yet we focus on ourselves and we try to get ourselves out of situations and we put all the emphasis on ourselves. What I do know from this story is that if God can work in a man like Peter, he can work in men and women like you and me. We've all failed God just like Peter, but there Peter is knocking on the door, ready to tell the people what God has done in his life. And I love how he knocks because he's sitting there thinking, I've got good news. It's not like, hey guys, I'm here, let me in. It's like, no, I've got good news. I'm a sinner, but look what God has done in my life. I mean, there's so many times in my life where I look back and I think, man, I've been addicted. I've been frustrated. I've been angry. My, my life personally has been marked by insecurity and identity struggles and anger and greed, all these things. And I look at myself and I just get so discouraged. Yet I look at myself again and I see what God has done. And what I see is that God works in the lives of failures. God works in the lives of sinners. So no matter how far you feel from God today, you need to know that he's not far, that he is still working, that he's still doing miracles, that he still cares and still loves and he does not condemn you. He does not bring you shame, but the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is the good news of Jesus. Because every single day, we want to believe that Jesus is condemning us. Every single day, we want to believe that we are guilty in front of God. And we are. But then Jesus came. And he died for your guilt. He died for your sins. And he resurrected to free you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is working in your life today. And it might be difficult to have faith in tough situations. You might be struggling to believe God today, but you need to know that it doesn't take your strong faith to pick your life back up. It takes God's mighty power. Put your faith in him. Call on his name. Trust him. And whatever prison cell you might have been living in, or maybe you're living in today, God has the power to free you. I love what the people say to Rhoda as she comes back in the story. When she said, Peter's here, Peter's here, Peter's here. She's so excited. Peter's here. They say, you're out of your mind. And I love this because, you know, they mean that she's crazy. But as I read this, I think, that's exactly where I want to be. I want to be out of my mind. Because what's in my mind My mind is one of my personal prison cells. That's part of my testimony. My mind is one of my personal prison cells. I have struggled with insecurity. I have struggled with anger. I have struggled with addictions. And these things form in my mind. I want to be out of my mind. Because if I'm out of my mind, 
Jesus is in my mind. You want to start thinking clearly. You want to be broken free. You got to be out of your mind. You got to have a crazy faith that says Jesus can do it. You got to have a crazy faith that says I'm not relying on myself anymore, but it is all about God. And when we get out of our minds, we can see what God can do in our mind. We can see how God can work. And we're going to close this morning with a story from Cleta Haley. Cleta goes to our Sandy campus and, you know, we share a lot of life stories here and they're, they are powerful, powerful stories, but I'm telling you, they're probably not ready for this one. Because as I talked about a little bit about relationship issues, Cleta's got them. But what God has done in her life, it is truly, truly amazing.